0: let the expert handle their area right if, if you're doing your own email marketing and you're only getting you know a 2x row but a, a firm can get to promise you 5x why why would you not do that right if it's, if it's a guaranteed return for you right and then you get to not have that burden of doing email marketing and then really focus on your core business which is growing your product line right negotiating better rates with your, uh, your your suppliers possibly you know doing better customer service so there's, there's always there's always more areas you can improve on and more things that you don't have to spend all your time doing if there's a better solution out there
1: you're listening to ecomonics a debutify podcast your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age this is joseph I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Taxes can be a frustrating and intimidating matter, whether you're a massive corporation or part-time or at a diner. We all have to deal with them. What we talk about today with my guest, Alan Chen, is a mixture of some practical tips you could deploy to get the most out of your expenses, but also a shift in mindset. Imagine as tax season rolls around, and instead of dreading it, we look forward to it, like it's another Christmas. Impossible? Listen to the episode, and then revisit the question. Alan Chen, I have been looking forward to this. It is good to have you here in Ecomonics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling?
0: I'm doing great, Joseph. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm a big fan.
1: I'm a fan of, uh, of your work too. Uh, I uh, Shout out to uh, our, our mutual friend, who, um, to to Brendan, who got us uh, connected. So anybody who's been a previous guest on the show, feel free to make references. We're all about that here. You and I have had a chance to be acquainted in the past. Uh, I always appreciate getting the opportunity to to meet and chat with people. Um, it's, it's fun in some ways to dive in and you know, meets somebody for the first time, uh, but it is also nice too to get a little bit of that acquaintance going. So I, I like that I get to have uh, multiple experiences, different pathways to get to this point. But
0: now that we're here, tell us what you do. Tell us what you're up to these days. Okay, awesome. Uh, yeah, so my name is Alan Chen. I'm a CPA, just so certified public accountant here in the US. Um, I'm a founding partner, co-founder of Free It's basically a leading accounting and consulting agency uh, that's based out of Los Angeles, California, and we focus on one niche and one niche only, you guys. Well, more specifically, online business and uh, e-com owners out there. So we basically cater to uh, e-com owners, online business owners, we help them with really all aspects of accounting and tax and consultation. And we like to think of self as not a typical tax preparer firm. We're not just you know just there for tax season, help you do your taxes and then just disappear for another year. We're kind of there to be your outsourced financial consultant all year round. Um, we kind of help you with any kind of business you come up with, and we kind of just tackle them along with you, right? We, we really believe in uh, a lot of constant communication. We really believe in partnering with you hand-to-hand to solve these issues. So that's kind of what, what, what we do and uh, what our client's are really happy to know that we're always there for them
1: and you've dabbled in e-commerce as well because you wanted to know what the experience is like now did you dabble into e-commerce so that you would have more empathy for the work you're getting into or did, was it like were you motivated to do it prior to this you just say you know what actually i kind of want to have my my hand and try out this little drop shipping e-commerce shopify uh shopify world
0: yeah that's a great point joseph uh it's really it's really two factors right i, I would say honestly it started out just curiosity right during the whole um Covid, you know, pandemic stuff going on last year. Um, I, I was like, kind of like, wow, everyone is just working from home now. Everyone's remote, and everyone's selling something online. So I was like, I, I need, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of more of an introverted guy, so I'm like, just like following along the forums, right, or just watching popular uh, dropshipping gurus talk about on YouTube. And I was afraid to get my hands dirty. But then one day, just kind of in my head, I was just like, no, I just, I just got to give it a try. I just got to do it to know how it is. So I just kind of dive in. Um, I think my the first product I I uh, try my hand on was this uh smart net massager. I I came up with a clever name. I call it Netflix. You know, to, it's a play on for of Netflix. So I was like, yeah, you can Netflix and chill. That was my kind of my, my new model. And went there, started a Shopify store and put it on. It was like crickets, no sale. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> I, I I and it it really it really bought into my head. Like you you really got. To try the thing that you're afraid of to so really know what it's about and how how it is. And so I did. I, I went through a lot of trial tribulation. I went through do a lot of different products. And at the end, I did find a product that was, I wouldn't say like wildly successful or anything, but at least I was able to run the store for a, a good five to six month period. I made sales. I think I broke even at the end, but it really gives me that full experience of how much an entrepreneur goes through because a lot of time you're doing it by yourself. And for me with family, I was doing it like in mid, at midnight to 3 a.m. because that's the time slot I can find. I was like, and you have to do all, all aspects, right? When you're just sole entrepreneur, you have to do the marketing, the site design, the customer service part of it. And, you know, the part of negotiation with someone from China, possibly. So it was it was a lot of work and I was overwhelmed. And then I, and then I read these forms and I was like, and then they're worried about sales tax. You know, they're worrying about tax implications. Once they scale big, it's like, oh shoot, well, what do I do now? Is the government going to come after me? What's going to happen at this point? So we realized uh, I, later in the game that this is actually a big issue that these e owners who have scaled to a certain point made a success are now worried that, you know, their hard-earned money is going to get taken away by someone, right? So we're like, well, I'm a CPA, uh, my partner's a CPA, why don't we form an agency and help these guys out, right? So, and we talked to a lot of these guys, surveyed them, they're like, yeah, we would love someone that just focus on us, you know? They're tired of finding some guy on Google and that kind of knows what they're doing, but not really, doesn't speak the lingo, and we're like, yeah, we've we, we done it. <laughs> we did the whole Shopify experience. We kind of know what it's about. So we think we can help you more directly. Mm-hmm. Also,
1: a uh, quick correction. I got the name wrong. It wasn't Brendan. It was Jonathan. So sorry, everybody. Just uh, mixed up. I, I've, t- I've talked to like, like 100 people so far. So that's going to happen once in a while. It reminds me of a of a conversation that I had had um, uh, with Tyler Jeffcoat, and he he's like similar field also uh, some in, in the accounting. Uh, incidentally, I asked him specifically like does he do taxes and he doesn't. So it was cool that like oh we will do. you kind of like uh, can get a, get along and and provide different. Uh, uh, assistance in different areas. The, the the e-commerce industry is pretty big. There's, there's room for everybody. And I was just taken away by the, you know, just the enthusiasm for, for this industry in particular. And I think the enthusiasm that, that you see and you're taken by as well is the entrepreneurial spirit. And people want to uh, make their own way in some cases because they don't have an, a choice oftentimes. And this is kind of the situation that I was in too, is that I've I've tried and I've attempted to be part of a more regimented, uh, structured system, and it kicks me out. Even if I'm good at it. It's like, you know what? Forget it. Just We, we, we don't like the cut of his jib. Just get him out of here. And, and for a lot of people, entrepreneurship is really like the only option that they have and, and whatever job that they have left over, they're just holding on as long as they can to get whatever money that they can get so that they can invest that money into this business. And then they start making money in this business and they have to continue to reinvest it. And all of these things keep popping up that I don't think people um, are, are mentally ready for. If if I'm just if I'm just trying to sell you know shoes or, or or pants or in my particular specific case drawers that you can stick underneath the bottom of the desk, there's a lot of things that can catch people off guard, uh, especially in in taxes. And if I want to sell to all 50 states, provided that all 50 states have desks, you know that's a lot of things that I have to worry about. So well, uh, so a little bit more in your in in your backstory to open up on is. Um, what were you blindsided by? You know, you're blindsided by by the taxes, but luckily you have some, you have a, lot, a great deal of experience in this. Um, but what are some of the other things that have caught uh, that caught you off guard? And coinc- and on that same note, what were some of the things that the people that are working with you uh, that you're helping? What are they typically blindsided by?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one big uh, issue that I think a lot of the clients that we have are, I would say, blindsided by is they don't realize that you know how impactful it is at the end of the day. Is the government's portion of the tax that they have to collect, right? And it's not just it's not just the federal level, right? It's if you're talking about sales tax, like you were mentioning, yes, all fifty states I could confirm probably have this, so they will all want a piece of the pie, right? So if you start getting to I would say the seven to eight bigger mark, and you start having a, a, a what we run is what we call a concentration report, right? We, we we download your complete customer listing and we try to fit them into you know what state they're in, but even more specifically, what city, what district, and what zip code they're in. Because surprisingly, a lot of people don't know this, but sales tax doesn't end on the state level. Every state, I mean, sorry, every city, every district, every local jurisdiction, they all decide to have their own tax rate. Yeah, it's crazy like that in the US, right? So it's not just that you have to to memorize, I would say like 40 to 45 state sales tax because some are nicer and decide not to have a state sales tax, like Nevada, for example. But then then all these cities and and locals is like, hey, we, we also want some part of your tax money so we can fund the local park or something like that, right? So they say, well, then you really got to see that specific customer, where, what city he's located in, what district he lives in, what county he lives in, and then combine it with a state sales tax rate. And that's your combined rate that you are supposed to collect and then later on remit to that state government. So a lot of time uh, we, we, go to, we have the customer saying, oh, it's easy, just multiply this by 7.65, right? Something like that. And we'll be done, it's like, unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, it gets a little bit more complicated like that. If you, if you want to do it correctly, if you don't want to do it, have, go under like underpayment penalty. So um, we, we really educate our customers and on that, on that level too. Um, we uh, we actually just launched a course, which called, it's called Tax-Free Ecom. And it basically is for those clients that we can't serve directly. We kind of want to get them started with a good foundation of tax and accounting. So then when they do grow and when they do scale their business, they're not, blindsided by all these things that's coming their way and they kind of understand what business strategies they should be implementing early and what loopholes they can be looking for for their business and how they really should structure along the way. So then at the end of the day, when they do grow big and then they do scale, they are well-prepared and not like someone who suddenly over overnight, you know, made eight figure selling desks. And then it's like, Oh shoot, what do I do now? And and that just a whole lot more work catching up on historical than just doing it right at right pump, right from the beginning. Now-
1: I think you might be able to uh, weigh in on on this to to the degree that I'm hoping for. But if you can't, I I would also understand because this might have more to do with, say, like back end and um, having the right condition set on on Shopify. Um, But for that level of specificity, selling not just on the federal level, state level, county level, district level, gated community level, um, how are people... Um reflecting that in the price point on their website. I mean, how much of it does a website automate? Um, is it how will I know where I need to adjust prices uh, depending on you know
0: what um part of the earth I'm, uh, I'm I'm selling to? Yeah, that's a great question, Joseph. And I think there's two ways of addressing this, right? Which should we tell our clients. Well, so first way is yes, Shopify does have a, a a a way you could set a rate, I would say, right? Where they try to, I would say guesstimate on the best rate they have available to them of, you know, if you have a customer ships to a certain address, this is how much you should collect as part of that price, right? So it really is a line item on it, right? So you could say you have a, an item like a, a gummy bear backpack and you charge 29 20, dollars for it. You charge $5 for shipping. And then the sales tax comes after that, right? And, and that's the little distinction that I'm not sure if Shopify does correctly or not, because some states, they would charge sales tax on the shipping portion of it. But some states, I'll say, you can exclude shop uh, the shipping portion as long as your shipping portion is equal to what is the actual postage, right? So if it actually costs you $7.32 to ship this item to Wisconsin, then you're fine. But some some Shopify stores like setting their own rate, right? Say $10 flat rate. In that case, you actually did make that difference in profit. And that that difference is revenue to you. So you would need to charge sales tax on it. So there's two ways of doing it. One is you literally display this, uh, a... a what they what it's the best guesstimate of what Shopify think the rate is as a line item. That's one way of doing it. But sometimes, uh, you know, customers don't like that. They're like, Oh, I, I thought I was going to only pay thirty dollars for this item. I didn't know they're going to charge me sales tax. Blah. I'm i exiting out. I'm abandoning cart. Right. But then, so the other way we tell we tell our clients is, okay, we know you don't like adding that extra line because they might balk at checkout. Then just include it as part of your price. Right. Instead of charging twenty nine point nine nine. Charge $34.99, knowing that part of it you're going to have to pay out later as part of your sales tax vest for that certain state, right? You kind of just over can kind of set a higher sales price so you're, it's all inclusive, but just know that portion of it you're going to have to pay out later. And that might that might be a better strategy because customer just sees that price. And it's like, okay, all I have to pay is $35. I get it. I'm, I'm going to do it. Let me check out and finish the sale.
1: Yeah, and, and if I know my, uh, my 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 some of my taxes just from the sales work that I've done in the past is that that's a little bit closer to how VAT is structured, say in Europe, where there are uh, surcharges on every part of the manufacturing process. So, for instance, if somebody wants to sell shoes, then there's a surcharge on the production of the string of the leather, of the soles, of the of the tag to tell you what the what size it is. So, by the time the shoe is available in in a store in in anywhere VAT applies, it's already taxed up to to the nth degree and so that way when they pay it they're not thinking about any of the additional tax codes they're just paying uh, the flat amount and then all of that is disseminated across the uh, manufacturing process is, is that right
0: yeah that's that's such a great insight Joe. i didn't know you have this in dev, uh, tax knowledge but that's the difference i would say between the us i was, I
1: was working with rolexes in a previous job oh really okay that <laughs> yeah, makes it a lot of sense. yeah
0: yeah i did that's i think i would say that's the main difference between the u.s sales tax system and something from U- europe which is the VAT system the value-added tax you're mentioning is that the value add tax, as as you said, is spread out across all parts of the production cycle, right? Where the U.S. sales tax system is only charged to whoever the actual end user is, right? In this case, it is the consumer of that desk or that gummy bear backpack. So it's only one rate charged at the end versus being for for the seven, well, I'll just make it up, 7.65% to be spread out across the, the modes of manufacturing or production.
1: So we're going to get into some um, I I would say some of the uh, entry level basics just so that people are a little bit more primed in the mindset. Before we do that, there is a question here that I've I would really like to get your opinion on just because of your your wealth of expertise. So you have there what's the What's, the, what's this the saying for it? Burning the minute oil on both ends or double edged sword or something along those lines. But right, anyways, there's two tension points on the one tension side. You have everybody looking for some way to minimize their their tax burden. Um, I, there's a there's a pretty funny line that I uh, read where uh, the two greatest pastimes in the U.S. are baseball and figuring out how to minimize your taxes. Uh, and there's a saying like
0: that. Oh, Something I along, the,
1: along those lines. I did, I did butcher I, 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 uh, I need to use that. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. It's, I'm pretty sure it's public domain. It ain't mine. Okay. Um, and then <laughs> so on the other side, you have, uh, okay, well, it's called the government, but uh, the the libertarian that I am, I like to call him the Fed. Because uh, I just had to pay the Fed 300 bucks because of my uh, my income situation. So you're you're welcome, the Fed. And typically, government programs expand in size and scope. It's very rare to see a government program recede, at least as far as my experience goes. So you have everybody looking for ways to save money on their taxes. And you're looking for the government who's continuing, or looking at the Fed, they continue to expand programs which cost money. And it seems like there's, this is like an unsustainable system. So what would you... I guess what would you like to see in 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 uh, in the tax code go? What would you see as like a fair and equitable means for people to um, at least feel a little bit more, I guess, comfortable with the tax with the degree of taxes that they're paying? And it's not just like e-commerce businesses either. It's Amazon, for instance. Amazon, like
0: Amazon pays a penny in taxes, as far as I know. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Joseph. So it's 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 very I would say tax the tax code in the U.S. is overly complex, right? So I think that's why people are so afraid of it, right? They they ask a lot of questions. They don't always get the right answers. And then they get very, I would say, muddled and confused. And you know what they end up doing? They just end up avoiding it, right? And I think that's one of the big problems of the US tax system is there's actually tons of people out there that neither, well, it's two ways, right? They intentionally don't want to pay their taxes because it's, it's just, they just want to avoid it. They're just like, ah, they, they won't catch me. I'm just going to run to Bermuda or something, you know, I'm, I'll am I'm, be fine. Or two, it's just, it's not that they're just trying to be a bad citizen of the state. They just don't know how to approach it, right? They they, they get behind and then they want to cash out, but then they're so afraid of looking at those forms, those the complicated IRS website. And then they just like, what do I do? And, and if I have to talk, I would say a little bit political about what I, what I would like to happen is I would like an overhaul where they just simplify the system for people, right? Makes it a lot more easier to understand. Uh, makes it so that it's almost like, uh, you know, I I think TurboTax is great. TurboTax for for individuals is wonderful, right? It it provides a step-by-step guidance for people who don't understand tax to be like, yeah, this is this prompt. This is where you should enter. And there's a little question mark then you can click on to understand a little bit more about it. I would say if the U.S. government can adopt that model, people will be less afraid to submit their taxes. I I'm, I I don't know the exact figure, but I'm sure it's in the in the like hundreds of billions where it just missed, missed tax dollars for the US government because people are afraid to submit their taxes. They're afraid to be a good citizen because they don't know what to do. It, it happens more often than you think, Joseph. But yeah, there's a lot of people who just don't pay their taxes. And I know, I know you, you want to address the other issue, which is a company like Amazon, right? Who knows who... Uh, I, I was a former auditor at a, a big four a, a auditor firm. And, and we, we, we face this problem all the time. We have these big multinational uh, companies, these huge billion dollar companies like Amazon and Facebook. And they just they just know all the tricks and tips in the books, right? So they, ha- they have the, the resource and the money to hire you know tons of tax experts, people who works direct for IRS. They're just like, yeah, we'll bring you over too because you read the total tax code. You probably wrote it. But they find every single gray area loophole they can find to minimize. They, they use multiple entities. They find ways to offshore money, right? So and I'm sure when, when this stuff hits the news, they be like, ah, it's so unfair, you know? And why can't Am- why can Amazon get to do this? What what about me? What about me as a small business owner? And and for us, we're like, yeah, we're where we probably can't get you Amazon level <laughs> amount of money back, but we we're, we're gonna try to bring some of our expertise to to you guys too that we have learned and picked up along the way. So then you guys don't have don't have to pay more than you you need to, right? Because you know, it's, 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 it's really tough. I would say being an entrepreneur, like, like I mentioned before, like, yeah, I'm sure like, I'm, we have some clients that, uh, so we, we talk to them on Slack, right. And you know how Slack has a little, like a little green dot to, to indicate that you're online, you know? And then we're like, but sometime I went, when, um, I'm up with my baby and I'm, I see them, wow, this guy's still like one of my clients would be still up till like two or 3 AM. are like, man, you're burning the midnight oil here. It's like, and then they're like, yeah, I'm just stressed out with my business. And you know, it's, I'm trying to talk to my supplier and stuff. It's like, wow, it's like, and I know this guy just got out of his nine to five job. I'd be like, yeah, but you're kind of like, you kind of just left one prison to enter another one, you know, in a way, because you, you, you're looking for that freedom of time and you're looking to break out, but you kind of just step into another world where you're also being shackled because you're, you haven't found a way to make your business profitable. And, and those are the guys who really, really want to help, right? If they haven't found a way to make, turn their entrepreneurship into a successful business into something that they can really, you know, have a have an owners draw every month where they can keep money for their own personal needs for their family. Those are things we want to figure out for them. Like how we do, we do cash flow analysis, do profit margin analysis. We we want to really find want to find trendings where we want to find out why the business is not doing as well as it should, being at what the revenue level they're at.
1: And this uh, transitions uh, pretty uh, smoothly into an economics tradition, which is ask anybody who's um, uh, running or part of an agency uh, about uh, data in aggregate. Uh, I think I I tried to come up with a way to combine it to. I call of like da- dagger get, but I don't know. I almost sounds dagger like get, wow. that, it's close. Like it's not bad, but I don't know. I feel like somebody might, if I'm in prison, somebody might pull out a dagger get. On it. <laughs> I, I want to hear about some of the, the main, I guess, uh, lessons or um, patterns or things that you observe um, in, 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 entrepreneurs, like I said, in aggregate, because you're not just working with one, you're working with multiple, what are some of the main fears or some of the um, main, and you can get, but by the way, go as granular as you can, by the way, if you want to is, you know, what are the, some of the, the obstacles that they, uh, they come into and then conversely, what are some of the, um, uh, methods that they've been able to overcome these obstacles and sort of start entering into a more,
0: you know, profitable and happy making place. Yeah. So that's a great question, Joseph. So I would say not to toot my own horn, but I'm sure Jeff mentioned the same thing is, you know, for us who are just focused on this one niche, right? We're just, we're just e-com owners. We do have a lot of data, right? On e-com owners. And we really utilize that to our, to our best advantage and to the advantage of our clients, right? So we see the patterns, right? And we we also have our own algorithm where we go over just the relevant deductions and credit just for these guys. And we compare it. We also do a comparison between, you know, if year over year of our, uh, for this client who's in a similar industry have similar revenue operating expense you know cost of goods sold levels are they are they actually able to maximize their tax deductions what is their tax rate and if the answer is no why not what are they doing differently than this client that makes it so that they are not able to maximize is it because they haven't hired enough employees is it because they're not uh, sourcing correctly like what is going on right and to give a more i would say granular example is What we do for our client is not only just the I would say tax, but the the bookkeeping portion. We really go pretty in detail. In that, when we do bookkeeping, we really want to give you like I would say what we call ironclad financials. It's basically financials that you would not be embarrassed to show your mama or an investor, right? That you can just tell, you can just show that to them, and then they can be like, oh, okay, I can see you run a clean business because this is what your financial is showing me. You know what you're talking about. You it's presented well. And one of, one of the things that, uh, one, one, one little, I'll go a little sidetrack here. One, one, one thing that we had was one of our clients was like, hey, Alan, I, I did it. I was like, what do you mean you did it? I was like, I, I have an investor interested in me. I was like, oh, that's great. I'm happy for you. He's like, but I don't I don't know how to talk to them. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't want to mess it up. It's like, oh, okay. Well, do you need our help for like, put together a little deck for you? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, so I put together a little deck for you. And then I, I sent it to him and he's like, Alan's like, I don't know what to do with this deck. I was like, okay, okay, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. Do you want, you want me to sit in on a meeting with you and explain it? It's like, yeah, yeah, please do. So then we go we, we in this meeting, I introduce myself, so I'm a CPA and where I work for, you know, to give some potential. And they're like, and I just went through the financial with them. And then at the end, the investor was like, you know, I really wish that all these founders would pull in their CPA or their, their, their financial partner on these meetings. It just made it so much clearer. I have founders trying to explain to me numbers and it just didn't make any sense. But I feel more confident and want to invest in the business. So I, it was just an example of like being able to be on top of your numbers is so important, right? Especially if you're going towards where you're trying to exit, right? Is like if you can't explain what's good about your business, what what makes it click, what makes it shine, if you can't do it and you can't express it, they won't they will never find out, right? So uh, one thing we 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 tell clients like, yeah, make sure your bookkeeping is tight. I know it's it seems like you can just hire anyone on the internet to do that these days, and you can also use software to do that. Which is which you can. I'm not I'm not doubting that at all. It's more can you also explain it? Can you really analyze it? Can you really go through and uh, say what all those, what these trendings mean and what, what 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 cash flow do you have in your books and really let an investor feel comfortable that you're a a a vibing business that's gonna, you know, have a good trajectory, What's it's going to the moon, right? It's not crashing. <laughs> so that's that's really what, 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 what we have a uh, gathered. And 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 because we have so much comparable data. We can also explain to these guys, like, yeah, this this is one of our top clients. You know, we have all these other guys, and these guys are performing great. You know, compared to, to these other other owners we have.
1: And 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 I think it uh, just goes to show the importance of you being uh, immersed in the e commerce space it makes you makes you much more. Um, uh, capable of being in that conversation and being able to uh, hold the conversation with them, understanding the jargon and knowing what it is that the investors are looking into, as well as what are the needs of your of your client. And also, I just at, at first, I I, I, don't, I almost saw it was like a, it was a, a moment of sarcasm, really. Well, so, what do you want me to come sit in the meeting with you? And like and he goes like, yeah, 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 please do that. I, well, okay, I guess I will then.
0: <laughs> no, definitely not. I, I was being yeah. sincere in offering it, and but I didn't know if he wants me there, right? Because sometimes, sometimes we have we have founder who wants to be in the spotlight, right? They want to be the CEO over everything, and we 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 really applaud those guys too. But but if they if they can, if they're just a super genius that can do it in, in you know eight hours, four hours, they're like that's fine. But if you're if you're working sixteen hours because you're trying to be a VA of customer service doing doing everything, I, I think it's not worth it at, at that point.
1: And, and and that reminds me of something that I had uh, remembered. So, but you know, I get to talk to a lot of people, and I. I, and every time that I um, see a, one of my guests has a YouTube channel, I subscribe to it. So my subscriber list is massive, and it's this great thing now where like every day I have like twenty videos. Some of them are twenty seconds long, for some of them are, are ten minutes, some of them are, th- are thirty minutes, and so I get to absorb a lot of continuing information from a lot of what I, a lot of these uh, a lot of these sources. Uh, previous guest Carrie uh, Eckleton, he uh, he he was at the time uh, explaining to people. Where they need to divert their energy if they're going to run a successful e-commerce business and they need to put themselves in the mindset of a CEO and not in the mindset of uh, a seamstress or whatever is the equivalent of that. Yeah. Um, which is like a, a, an equivalent of like a laborer's position, and so what I was wondering is, you know, in a lot of the clients that you had seen, is were they putting their time somewhere that was ineffective given the relative importance of their position?
0: Yeah, that's that's that's, that's a great one too, Joseph. So we have, we have seen a lot of examples of that actually. I think this, I think it's it comes down to trust. So a lot of time, and I I faced this myself, right where. You know, during my Shopify days, I was frustrated. Like, why, why doesn't, why doesn't Netflix and Chill work? It's Such a great model, it has to work. And and I would actually, I in, invested in a mentor, right? But actually, the first mentor I invested in was, you know, it, it didn't work out. I, I won't say it's a scam. It, it maybe did work in the past. Basically, well, all he did was he see through needles in a haystack, right? He just put a product after product and just hope one sticks. That that that's his. That's the way the mentorship worked out. I was like. Wow, so you have to go and do hundreds of products before you find one that works. And I think in the old days of Shopify, they may work, but you know, and in the, in the, and now in a couple of years where it's very mature now, dropshipping, you know, everyone has gone through all the products. So you, it's it's really not the way to do it, in my opinion. But um, going back, going back to your question, one thing that we have noticed is a lot of time these founders don't know that they should be the leader of their company, right? Because of trust issues, they don't want to hire out. You know, they they still want to do everything themselves. They have grown to, I would say, you know, mixed six-figure business. They obviously have the profit, you know, they can, they have the ability, they have the cash flow to hire. They don't do it because they have been burned by a VA that didn't do a good job, you know, answering customer inquiries, right? Or they got burned by a VA that, you know, had, was it, had a weird time zone, so didn't fulfill orders on time and the customer got delayed. So then they just stopped hiring altogether and just decided to do it all themselves, right? And then we look at a business, we're like, Hey, your your business is thriving. Like all your metrics are pointing in the right direction. You can easily double this business if you just let go a little bit, you know, because but they're so in the weeds, right? Like you said, Joseph, like they're so being a what, what was the example? Sem centrist, right? Yeah, the seamstress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they being, being, the guy, they still the person selling the clothes instead of the person selling the clothes to Macy's, right? So they need to, they need to kind of like step back and really look at their business and and really like we we kind of tell them like what is your what is your goal? Like, what is your financial goal? What is your, what is your end goal? What is your family goal? Like, is it to labor over this business for sixteen hours all all the time? Like, does that is that the life you want to live? And and, and I, we really want to get them to, get them to understand that it's it's very important to 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 expand and hire out and find help. And that's kind of what what we're here for too, right? We're like telling them, hey, you already have so much on your plate. Are you sure you want to add? you know accurate bookkeeping and getting yourself tax savings on top of that too right so we're like yeah just let us handle that part let let us give you the, the advice you need and give you the reports you need so then we only have to talk on a month we just talk on like we have a monthly call with them we just talk on a monthly basis we update you we let you know how your business is doing we'll give you recommendations and you can move on and be, be the CEO and actually grow your business from that point on.
1: Mm-hmm. Because you have, um, you have uh, just, I'm just going to try to like off the top of my head, um, pull off like all of the different um, exterior uh, services and, and products. I mean, for one, we're, we're in, we're in dropshipping country. So the, the, the essence of the business is outsourced. Um, the CPAs obviously uh, such as yourself, different uh, organization, uh, different service. Um, you have your third party logistics, you have, um, you might have somebody else do your marketing, whether that's at um, agency. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at agency. You might have somebody else doing your your retention marketing. We've talked to people like that. So you, we, it is important to be into that mindset of not only a leader, but I think also an ambassador too uh, on behalf of my brand to also have these relationships with all of these other uh, these empires and these kingdoms to say, you know, this is th- and and it, and, it, and it reflects more of what. In our healthy economic system is like, which is we are relying on people and really in all parts of the world to to make this this business uh, functional.
0: Yeah, you hit you hit the nail on the coffin there, Joseph. It's like let the expert handle their area, right? If if you're doing your own email marketing and you're only getting you know a two x ROAS, but a, a firm can get can promise you five x, why why would you not do that, right? If it's if it's a guaranteed return for you, right? And then you get to not have that burden of doing email marketing and then really focus on your core business, which is growing your product line, right? Negotiating better rates with your, uh, your, your suppliers possibly, you know, doing better customer service. So there's, there's always, there's always more areas you can improve on and more things that you don't have to spend all your time doing. If there's a better solution out there. Here's the, here's one that I want to ask you about the, uh, the exit. <laughs> it's funny. Cause like,
1: um, I only, the, the, the concept of um, a- exiting an e commerce business this was actually uh, relatively new. One of my more uh, recent guests, um, uh, guy's not even twenty five yet, and he's already like sold off uh, one of his businesses, um, and, and and credit to him. So. Have you run into complications where somebody wants to um, sell their business in that there are all of these external uh, factors that go into making this business functional? I mean, it's one thing if the business had everything internal, right? They have like internal marketing, you have internal uh, CPA, you have internal customer service, uh, uh, fulfillment. And so it's a more of like a contained ecosystem, and I can see that being a little bit easier to uh, sell to an investor or an interested uh, company that wants to buy us out. Um, does the difficulty uh, increase or possibly even decrease if somebody has more of a um, externalized and really like an outsourced operation? Yes, you know, you know your stuff,
0: Joseph. So for sure, like I would say, it's been it's been a long road, but I appreciate that. Yeah, no, we have we haven't seen I would say too many times where a a, a pure I would say pure okay pure dropping sh- shipping business gets much interest from outside investors, purely for the for the, for the factors that you mentioned, right? Because every, every single party business is outsourced, right? Usually an in- in- investor want to see something, I would say proprietary, right? They don't want to see that me, me, Alan selling my, you know, my neck massager, but actually just 10 other people selling the same thing. Just I came up with a better, clever name, which still didn't work. But that that doesn't help them, right? They're like, well, you got you have immediate competition. Immediately we buy a company, there's 10 other guys that can sell the exact same thing what's the point, why should I buy of your company, right? So they want to see something proprietary. They want to see something that you, in, you invented or that you added on that's enhancement. And further than that is something that you're able to prove that you can produce, right? Sometimes a lot of things become, I would say, prototypes or just something that's in progress, but you haven't executed on it. Execution is one of the big things they want to look for. They're like, okay, you have, you have this great deck set out. You say in the next two years, you, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to bring to the U.S., have, can, can you do it first? Then then let us, then call us, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give you our number, right? So I would say it's, it's actually pretty hard if you're just doing dropshipping to possibly find, acquire, right? It's 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 only when you transform your business into more of a branded business, I would say. At least, yeah, branded. White label is kind of hard too, but more branded, more just um, no one no one can take this from you, I would say, right? Something that you can even, I would say, Slack, a, put a, a copyright or a trademark on it. That's when they That's when investors get really interested because they're like, okay, you have this, this, this enhancement. No one else in the marketplace does. You're the leader in in, in this field. Yeah, we would love to work with you and partner with you and and, and possibly, you know, find you an exit. Right. So I would say those are the type of company we have seen has most success when they when they take things into their own hand, especially their product side.
1: And this might be a a short question, but has um somebody say uh, a dropshipper? Uh, this is an important question for 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 my audience, but. Um, have they found a route, say like they start, uh, just drop shipping, they move to white label, uh, and then maybe they do their own internal fulfillment. Has, has anybody gone down that route? Has anybody, you don't have to like go specific with
0: it, but it, have you seen anything along those lines? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I'm I'm not an e-com guru at, by any means, but just from what I, have I seen from my experience last year, that is the, I would say the recommended route these days, right? Drop is a great space to get started. Like it's, it's a great way to get your foot wet, it's a great way to get testing done and see if this is a right business for you. Right. See if this is something that you want to do. But then I would say, if you're really serious about it, the next evolution is to take that product, figure out how to make it better. Right. How to make a better mousetrap. I think it's the common saying, right. And, and how to uh, put your spin on it, right. Put your, put your label on it and make it your own. Right. And I think that that comes with coming up with, you know, custom ads for it, like hiring models to do it. And then you really, you really just want them not to know you for that product, but for the brand, right? You want them to know you for the brand of Netflix instead of the, the product that you that you have, right? And then 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 they they follow the brand, right? They followed like the anchor, right? For the Apple of the world, right? They don't just follow iPhone or AirPod, right? So I would say that that's the most important thing. And, and yeah, this is, I think it's a very common trend right now of of owning your product and then, uh, owning the manufacturing process and then fulfilling it in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it, it, it's good to hear, and and and
1: that's certainly a a point that I wanted to um, uh, reinforce as well, just so that you know our audience understands like where I stand on it and my own my own progress is that. So the store that I was uh, that I that I have up at first I called it um, Close Store because I wanted it to be about. You know, the, the, whatever drawer is closest to us tends to have our most valuable items. Like the one right by me, it's got keys. It's got my wallet. Um, it's, it's got my lip balm, you know, the things I can't live with about. And, and then I, and I get started thinking of it on a more fundamental level. And I realized, you know, what this is really about, it's about giving people more agency over where they live. It's about how can I use the surface underneath my desk? How can I defy gravity, put a drawer underneath there. And now I have that, I have wall hooks all over, all over my wall. So I ended up rebranding it and calling it Second Space, and it is about um, encouraging people to think about all the space that we don't n- immediately go to as something that we can use to improve our, our living situation, and we don't know where this is going to go, but if I were to sit in a room and try to interest somebody on it, I wouldn't focus on the drawer that i can stick underneath the desk i would focus on the ideology and the, and the products that represent that the products are the extension of the brand rather than the brand is an extension of the product you you, you hit it you hit it
0: you hit it right on target
1: well i i, I appreciate that uh, hopefully the investor in the uh four or five years from now will say the same thing
0: okay and you can you, you can feel free to pull me in that meeting too Joseph, yeah 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 yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> i'll keep on the rolodex yeah. <laughs> it's a, a brief, brief aside but it's just been like one of the most um crazy experiences that i've had how many people i've added on to my rolodex uh just in like in the last what, a year I just wow all these all these emails all these contacts and um and to be able to meet them in a space where i can provide value because you know i'm i'm not bad at what i do anyways okay pat on the back over so for our for our audience we want to condition and by the way this is something that i got to deal with too so you know i'm right there with them is that we want to condition people two things. Number one. Is to get out of the fear mindset and into the excitement mindset of uh, I'm not afraid to file my taxes. I'm excited to do it because I want to a be completely upfront and above board about what I do and reap the benefits. So there's there's that, and then there is the the actual work that I need to do to start conditioning myself to be mindful of the expenditures, maybe how I should set up my bank account. So. If you want to choose, uh, this is a choose your own novel for a second here. Do you want to go with the mindset first? Or actually, you let's do that. Let's do that because mindset is always a better place to start. So how do we excite people to um, have this
0: relationship with their taxes? <laughs> that's, that's a great way to put excitement. Okay, so I, I, I laugh because excitement and taxes don't go together, right? Like I'm going I'm to I'm I'm give a little little tidbit about myself. E- even in college, when I was just going to do my you know, accounting program, I, I fell asleep in my tax class. Honestly, right. In My corporate tax class, it was just so much numbers thrown at me. So many tax rates. I was like, oh no, this is not working. And I was, and I, sadly I was a uh, dumb, I was sitting in the second row as so the teacher spotted me. and was like, Alan, what are you doing? I was like, okay, got it. Um, but to fast forward, I, I realized how, you know, after, after working and after uh, working with all these uh, multinational companies, how impactful tax is, right. And how detrimental it is when you don't do it correctly. Okay. And not to, I would say, fuel further fear into people, but we, we hear, we, we hear at free cashflow, we really just want to educate people that tax is not a scary thing. Okay. Let me, let me give you a, let me give you a little story, but that's okay, Joseph. A hundred percent. Okay. So we have a, we have a client, right? That's um, it's a former client uh, because he has moved on and, and the exit business. Now uh, it's he, he was, he was so sad one day, right? Cause he came to me and said, Alan, I made a big boo-boo. I was like, what kind of boo-boo <laughs> was like, I, I hit the seven figure mark. I was like, wait, what? I mean, you mean congratulations? It's like, isn't that great? It's like you move from six figure to seven figure, right? It's like, yeah. I was like, but that, that's terrible. It's like, wait, wait, why is that terrible? It's like, I, I was like, I'm screwed. It's like, what do you mean? So then we, we went, we went like back and forth like that over text. And they finally he told me, um, basically, he was brought to believe that there's this thing called a millionaire tax. Okay. And what it does is as soon as you hit seven figures in revenue. They tax you super heavily because you're a millionaire now. Because all of a sudden you you know you hit you hit a nice one million mark, you Shopify screenshot it and put it on a form and they're like, look at that, I did it, right? They're like, yeah, like I'm screwed. Like the IRS is gonna send agents at my door. They're gonna like really watch how I use my money and they're gonna come after me. It's like if I do anything like in the gray area, they're gonna come after me. I was like, okay, that's first of all, that's not a thing. That's not, <laughs> that's not it. That's not true. And I think like it's it's just an example, but I think there's a lot of like misconception and myth out there like that about taxes and about accounting, where people believe that that is the truth, that, that there's such a thing as millionaire tax where they just get immediately hit with them and IRSR agents start following them around with something. So I'm like, no, that's not a thing. And and I think people are afraid to even make more money because they think they'll just get this like super heavy tax where like people can start watching them really closely and like a hog, like FBI can come after them or something. But yeah, that's that's the that's the part where we're like, there's a lot of education needed in this space, right? And and part of the reason why we we, we made the course um for t- tax for e-com is to kind of like for these people starting out and they found some success, maybe they're making you know five to 10K a month. Like don't be afraid of you know going further. Don't don't be like, ooh, if I make past this smart, what happens? Eesh, who, who's gonna come after me? Right. Cause like because like I guess it's scary because you know I I this happened to me too like Shopify started asking me for to identify myself right. It's like hey you're at this revenue mark now, can you submit your identification, right? With some kind of proof that you you, you are who you said you are. And things like that. And, and I think that scares people like, oh, shoot, they're just gonna stop my sales if I don't tell them who I am. And things like that, I think, adds to your fear of, I I, I don't know what I should be doing at this point. Like, are they, are they saying, like, I made too much money? Like, like what, what's gonna happen to me? You know, <laughs> are they gonna come after my house? Are they gonna take my car away? And I think like, that's all like these things that keeps people, along with other issues, I'm sure, in e-com, right? Like, like like ad spin and your ad cam kind of closing on you that keeps people from wanting to be the best form of themselves right like they can do it i'm ordinary i'm an ordinary person a lot of people are ordinary people and they're these ordinary people are making incredible success stories in this space and i think like i tell them like you're this guy's no different than you you can do it too it just don't be afraid of these little robots and, and things that get in your way i'll say um it's it really goes down i was like mental like you said joseph like they have to get the mentality that there is no roadblock you can drive through all of them you know you have a ferrari just just ram through all of them
1: Actually, if, I, if i can uh, uh tell you a quick story too this is just uh, just for the fun of it yeah, but definitely uh, at one time i received this um this visa bill and the bill was like five cents maybe 10 cents huh. and i was like okay. what did i transact on my credit card that was 10 cents and why would somebody have let me have this transaction? And and I actually got kind of excited because it made me think, well, what would happen if I didn't pay this 10 cents? Like, are they going to come after me? And if so, are they going to have a means that would cost them less than 10 cents? Like,
0: is the phone going to ring? and be like, get out of it! Over ten cents, you see, even yeah. ten cents keep you up at night, and you can imagine yeah. what these guys are facing when they have to see a tax.
1: Yeah, because it's because it's principle. It's like, well, you know, we want what we were owed, so you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna come with this on on principle. And so a guy comes knocking on my door, he says, "Look, I just had to take the bus to get here, uh, so you're gonna have to pay up."
0: So. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish we would have their, have this mindset that you have, Josephs, that they should rightfully get what they're owed, right? And that's that's one thing that they don't realize with taxes is that no one's not Uncle Sam or no, no one from the is gonna be like, "Oh." you overpaid us. Oops, let me give you back to you. Like, you know, like no one's going to tell you that you forgot to take a certain deduction or credit, right? They, they're they not going to remind you. And that that's just money you're kind of giving away. That's, that's profit you earn from working hard in your business.
1: By the way, if you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version 3 has been released and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. On to tactics. So in my position right now, I am okay like very very specifically um, I'm just waiting on um, a little bit more of my product to arrive because I want to do some ads for myself and then uh, some of those ads uh, uh, be on Facebook and so and then it begins for for people who might even be further back or well, they might not even have settled on their product yet um, they're maybe they're still feeling around what are they what can they start doing right away to be conditioned and be prepared to um, uh, approach tax season with as much um, gusto as, as possible prior to eventually being able to reach out to someone such as yourself?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I would say if you're just starting out, there's, um, oh man, this it's a pretty big area, but I would say just a couple of things, right? Just a couple of tips in general. Um, one is a, uh, there's one, there's a, what really often missed deduction that, uh, I would say newcomers in the space don't know about is the startup cost deduction. It basically allows you to take $5,000 of tax deduction off your first year of business that you're operating for things that you did before you start your business. So for example, Joseph, if you have done research, right. in your business and like, Hey, I want to see if I should sell this product. Let me research it. That whatever the cost of that is, it's deductible. Or you say, Hey, I need to go visit my, um, a supplier or manufacturer in Ohio or in China and go talk to them about, is this possible? Is it possible for me to make this product? That part is is part of that $5,000 deduction too. So it, and and any organizational costs, right. If you, um, had fees for starting an LLC or fees for incorporating, getting a business license. That's all, that's all deductible part of $5,000. So I would say if you're just starting out, make sure you don't like discourage yourself with big tax bills. So take all tax section you can, especially just $5,000 tax startup deduction. And number two, I already mentioned it. Like I would say um, if you're comp, conf- if you're any, I would say even seven out of 10 confident that this is not just going to be a one year thing for you, that you're going to, you know, be in the e-com drop your business for a lo- longer term than one year. Start an LLC immediately. I would say, Um, an LLC. If people don't know, it's a limited liability company. It basically provides some, I would say, level of protection for you as far as your personal liability, right? So, um, if you don't have an LLC, what happens is, you know, if you if you happen to have a very dangerous product like a toy with batteries that leaks or anything like that, the the consumer can can come directly after. You right as a person uh, personally, so um, you kind of want this LLC to be a way to stopgap that where they can only go after the business assets, right? So they can only bankrupt your business, take your your debts away, but they can't go after your car or your house or something like that. So I would say those two are, are really big for people just starting out. And number three is you know just just start keeping track of everything. You know, like I think a lot of time when you start your business, you get very excited. You're like, ah, I'm gonna do uh, ad, ad tests with this. I'm going to spend another $10 test with this. And then you, things things start racking up, right? And in, in the world of credit cards right now, it's just very easy to spend, right? You you enter your credit card on Facebook, you just start spending, then they send you a bill when you reach your threshold, or you enter your credit card in Shopify. It's like, oh, there's so many of these shiny new apps in here. I want to try this marketing one. And you know, even for me, I tried like five email marketing one, because they all look, seem like they all have different great features for me, you know? And and then you, you get a bill for them. You're like, ah, my Shopify bill is $300 a month. What will happen here? So I, I really want to encourage people to really keep track of that, right? Because everything's money for you. Everything's money going out for you. So don't lose track of things. Don't don't only look at the winning asset that has your at 3.0 row as Add up all the ones that didn't work out that you're just testing with because those are all money going out. And You really want to know, I would say, your true cost of operating your business and not just <laughs> kind of like have blinders on and just look at what you want to, what what cause you want to look at, because it's not a true representation of really how well you're doing. And you, you really want to be, I would say, truthful and transparent to yourself first. So then you're not like, you're not like thinking you're doing great, but actually, you know, you're not cash flowing well and you're actually losing money at the end of the day.
1: And you, you raise a great point about um, soap propriety We've had uh, other people uh, on the program before, uh, Mark and Andrew Pierce. They do an LLC um, uh, uh, formation company. Uh, okay, that's... That is not the official term. That was just the closest that I can get to off the top of my head. But um, so the, for the audience, I definitely recommend referring to that episode uh, to learn a little bit more specifically about um, not only the uh, the efficacy of an LLC, but also how cost efficient it can actually it can actually be. Um, so there's two things here. One of them is about like so I, I set up a sole propriety uh, in my early 20s, and I remember I was listening to some of your YouTube content before we started, and 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 the point that you had made is that. So proprietor is fine to start if you just want to learn how to, how to run a business. And it, it's, 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 it's a great entry point, but at the, really at the moment you start making money, it becomes a liability because now I'm, I'm held liable for anything that goes wrong. And so there's two things that I want to talk about. One of them is like, why in God's name is, are the feds so like protective of LLC versus um so vicious towards where so propriety. You know, if I'm, if I'm at the end of the day, I'm just one person, I just want to run my business, you know, to me, it just seems like an easy flip of the switch for the business to be held uh, uh, accountable rather than uh, me being held accountable. It just, it just, uh, to me, just baffles my mind that the most, it it would be like, just like if, if I wanted to learn to play guitar. And the learning instrument costs $5,000, but then the professional one is like 100 to 200 bucks. And it's like, so it's actually really, really risky at the beginning. And then if I get over... Uh, there's like a million metaphors. Another one is like the, when, when, when all the baby turtles are on the beach and I was like trying to make it into into the water. It's like the most dangerous part of the turtle's life is like the first 10 seconds before they get into the water and then they're fine. So I don't know. It's always just boggled my mind just how not a good idea it is to run a soap propriety. And I don't really have a question, but I, if you have anything you want to say on that subject, I'd love to hear it.
0: Yeah, no, no, that's just that's a great little tidbit. Uh, but I think the whole point of LSE is even beyond just the protection part, which I also have a great metaphor for. It's like you're going into battle without a shield, right? You wouldn't do that. And the LC is kind of like that shield that you go in battle with. But uh but the the whole the whole thing with LC is it's it just brings, i would say, a level of legitimacy for your business, right? So what, what LLC gives you is you can you can also get a, a EIN number with it, which is an employer identification number. And what you can do with that is, you know, you can go set up bank accounts, right? Or uh, go apply for business credit card, which I also highly recommend people do actually, because they have great point systems for businesses, so especially small businesses. Um, and, but the, the thing with LLC is, it also gives you like, put you in a mindset that you're serious about this, right? Because if you think about it as a sole proprietorship, there's, there's no paperwork to file. You're just kind of like, I'm gonna dip my toe in here, and if it doesn't work out, I'm going back to my day job, right? And then you're not you're not committed, right? You you maybe do it for a month. You're like two sales, that was fun. Let me go back to you know what? It's like, and then when LLC, I know there's a cost involved. but Thankfully, these days it's it's a lot less cost, right? It's only a couple hundred dollars, if, and there's a lot of great providers out there. Um, and the thing is, with LLC, you kind of like, oh, I'm officially a business. I have paperwork, you know, I have a statement of incorporation with it, you know, I. I'm, I'm just, just someone knows that I exist, right? Someone knows that Netflix exists out there in the world. And it's kind of like, it gives you the mindset that, oh, I, I'm running a business. You know, I'm a true entrepreneur, I would say even, right? I can put a uh, comma LLC behind my name when I fill in a form, right? And I, I think that's part of something that's, I would say, indescribable that you can't put a, a number on it, or money on it, where you're like, it, it gives you that sense of, uh, and not even urgency, but sense of like legitimacy that you're running a real business, I should try to make this work because I, I paid a fee for it. <laughs> right. You invested into it. So I, I should I should try to make this into successful. And I think we have seen that people who have gone through the LLC route are a lot more successful than just those who are, you know, after six months in are still sole proprietorship and unsure, right? I think it flips that switch in their mind that they should be serious about business and invest more time into it.
1: That's a great take on it. And I and I think um the focusing on the on the mindset is what I think is far more compelling um, than the mindset that I have, which is you know don't get bankrupted by the Fed. So that's, that's that's definitely a much better way of looking at it. Now the other thing too that I there's there's another side to this too, which is um, is there's C corp and there's S corp, and I want to touch on this briefly because I think this might be important for us to understand. But I think holistically LLC pretty much covers what an e-commerce store such as the ones my, myself and my audience uh, might make um but i'm wondering if it go it can go all the way through to the exit so where would a c corp or an s corp be relevant in this in this context
0: Oh, yeah that that's a great point to bring up so i would say for most of uh, the audience out there especially th- those drop shipping right an llc is more than enough right uh the reason i say that because it's actually the, i would say the easiest structure to for- formulate to to start up If there's very little paperwork you can probably do it in like a sitting, right? If you if you go on the site and then they'll kind of take care of the rest, and then you'll get your your official paper in four to six week time, I would say, and typically. Um, but a an C corp, right? And, and, and as on the extreme end of the scale, where there's tons of paperwork to deal with, you have to you know go do. You have to actually have to have board minutes, you know, board minutes, board meetings. You have to have a president, vice president, secretary. Basically, there's a lot of things you got to do to become a C corp. Now, why why are the two primary reasons people become C corp? it's really two reasons. One, to uh, attract outside, outside uh, money, right? Or two, to uh, basically become um, internationally recognized, I would say, right? So having a C-Corp and having that ink behind your name, it basically let people know that, hey, I arrive, right? Um, at, at a certain point, the IRS forces you to switch, like unless you volunteer to do that, but at a certain rep- revenue level, they're like, yep, you have to become a, a C-Corp now like no, there's no, no way around it. And, uh, it's, it's fine. If they do that, that, that just means you, you've made a lot of money. That's great. Good news. Congrats. But I would say that if you haven't hit that threshold, I would stay with LLC, um, for all you guys, listeners out there, because it's just easier to set up. Um, there's a lot less paperwork to go through the less headache for you to go through. And it's more than enough protection, but a C Corp is a whole other beast. C Corp is separates you from the entity entirely right? And LC LLC still ties to you as an individual person, but C-Corp stands on its own, right? So this is very morbid to say, but say, you know, Joseph, you know, passed away, C corp goes on, you know your 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 uh, your business, you know your desk business. It 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 can it can thrive. It can become yeah, like a you, legacy You're gonna business. be more
1: morbid too, by the way, if you want to. Feel like. So Joseph <laughs> yeah. fell down the stairs, and what okay. was yeah, I didn't want to <laughs> say him I was gonna
0: say run over by a car, but basically the
1: My favorite is hit by a truck.
0: There's something truck. like very I, cathartic. It, 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 that things. sounds like it hurts the most. It's, just, it's so big. It's just like the fastest way. Anyways. Okay, I'll say SCAR, you just become in a, you know, in, in a, okay, never mind, in a vegetable state, yeah. but anyway, so the point is with C-Corp, the business lives on, right? Your legacy lives on, Your, you know, your future children can take over it if they want, you know, you can also pass it down to just a board, board member, but but the the whole thing is, that's why it's so complicated, because it stands on its own, right? S-Corp is kind of like the hybrid. I want to talk about hybrid between LLC and a C-Corp. And S-Corp basically says, hey, we're going to give you some of the easiness of the LLC. But you kind of become more legitimate. You kind of are a, a real corporation, right? And what it brings is, is a lot of restrictions on S-Corp. But the main benefit, I would say, why someone wanna switch from an LLC and S-Corp is a, is a thing called self-employment tax, right? So as an as an as an LLC, you're responsible for paying uh, both portion, the employer and employee portion of the, the self-employment tax, which is around 13, something percent. But you know, if you're just an employee, you only paid half of that. Was found seven point six five percent. So anyone out there working like ninety five, that's your part you're responsible for, right? So, but as an S corp, what what it says is, well, you you actually are only you can actually declare that you are a employee of your own company. Like you're like you and owner can be an employee of your own company. So we we allow you to only pay the employee portion in that case. So it actually is a pretty big savings if you're at a certain threshold where you know you can save like the 7.7% times your times the net profit that you bring in. So we we run a lot of calculations to see, to see if that's worth it for an owner to, you know, to go through the corporate restructuring to become an S-corp. Um, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. And then we leave it up to them for their best judgment if they want to do it and we let them know all the cons if they do switch, you know, the additional paperwork they have to do. And then some a lot of time they just say, yeah, it may not worth it. I'm gonna see. or they say, yeah, let's go for it. So if we leave it up to the client if they want to go down that route. Yeah, and what I find encouraging about this
1: too is that it gives people an idea of how um, far that they really can go if that's what they're motivated to do. If they want their business to truly become like a worldwide brand and to go toe to toe with some of the legacy brands that we've known and some sometimes love, sometimes not so much love, uh, just reluctantly supported uh, out of habit. Um, there, there are there are routes, and and it can start with something as as simple as our you know our our smaller uh, e-commerce businesses or our one person dropshipping operations they can't get to that point point. and so what i find encouraging is you know there there is a path for it um it's not an easy path but there are people on our side such as yourself who uh want to uh, make sure that we have all our advantages just as much as amazon has all their advantages okay well it's not it's not one to one like you said but you know yeah not not one to com- comparable, one comparable
0: comparable yeah, but we we try to get you us a- as much as possible. We'll try to maximize what, what, you, what you're able to. And I just wanna mention, I, I realized in my head, I did really bad math half of 13 is not seven because the full rate is 15.3% but for the self-employment rate but i, I think people expect accounts always do perfect math so i just want to clarify that so it's, it's all good it's all good
1: i'm even worse at math than that so i just <laughs> in, inherently that's kind of the funny thing is like i we do inherently trust the the, the accountant yeah math, i know, so know. Like, you've been so, so, yeah. down my
0: maps so i was like all right i'm just gonna correct myself
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know
0: seven can be a half what is
1: what de- really? decimals what is, what is this witchcraft All right. So um, we actually hit an hour, but we're going to go a a little bit over um, just because uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to ask you about. And then I wanted to give you like also a moment to just in case there was any other like key pillar to this that you want our audience to know. Because like I'm inundated with questions here and I can't quite like uh, curate what I think is the most important one. So I'll give you a chance to do that. But I also wanted to ask you about the sales tax nexus. What is sales tax nexus? How does it work? And um, is this, uh, I'm sorry, I, I mean, this might sound a little silly. Is this like a specific tool that you offer or is this a more broad reaching subject?
0: Oh yeah, no, no problem. So sales tax nexus is basically a term, right? It's the the word nexus is, um, I, I say the actual definition is it's an affiliation or a connection to a place. I think that's what how I want to define it. And basic, yes, it basically, yes, um, it basically is a way for the IRS to determine do you have an affiliation connection to an area? Right. So let's, let's take, for example, your business is established in New York, right? But you have a manufacturing plant in Florida. You have an, an branch office in Ohio with a couple of employees there. You have a, a third-party wholesaler relationship with someone in California, right? So all those things I mentioned are, are nexus points, right? Which means that. To the IRS, you are somehow responsible for all those points that your business are doing or are, are transacting with. So, uh, for for the IRS purpose and sales tax purpose, all those states might have a sales tax impact on your business. So, the, what we evaluate for the business is we ask them these questions, right? We ask them, "Hey, where where is your fulfillment center?" Where's your manufacturing? Where, where are you having employees in other states? Right. And uh, so that's that's one part. So this, there's now, it's, not, it's, it's a very long explanation, but it's basically split into two kind of nexus now that we look at, right? This this physical nexus, which I've already right mentioned, having a physical plant there, having physical employees there, but it's also economic nexus, which is what's troubling uh, online sellers these days, right? Like due to a, a, a court case, I think Self Decoder was wayfair. Um, They make it so that um, online businesses have what they call economic nexus, which means as long as you have a concentration of customers that you're selling to in a certain state, they also want you to collect. And you also have nexus in that state, right? So say you're doing really well on your desk because tons of people have desks in Georgia and you sold over a hundred thousand desks in Georgia. Well, that triggers the threshold for that state. And since you you have economic nexus in that state, you have to remit sales tax to that state now. So that's kind of an example of what how economic nexus will come bite you. And I think I don't know if all ecom owners realize this that even if they don't have a physical presence in that state, like they're not physically located there, due to economic nexus, they will be still be responsible. You know, Georgia will eventually, you know, you know, government's a little bit slow, but they'll eventually catch up and come after you for it, right? Because uh, there's what they call a statute of limitation. Um, that's basically a a rule about how long. A government entity has to come after you after for tax fraud or tax related issues, right? And it's usually around like five to seven years. So, so even if you think you're okay like today, like ah, Georgia didn't come after me. I'm so smart. I got away from it. Three years later, they might send you a letter to say, "Hey, we're investigating into your sales because we see you have a large amount of shipments and you know customers in our state. Like, what's going on?" And um, you know, you you kind of don't want to run into that issue with, with Nexus, right? And and that's why we want to evaluate for you firsthand before you run to those issues of, "Hey, owner." these are the 15 states you actually have economic nexus because you're your successful eight-figure business. Let's get ahead of it. Let's see what the threshold is. And let's strategize of when you actually cross that threshold. And maybe because of specific rules, each state comes up with their own rule for how they want to determine. Like some state says, okay, immediately after you cross it, you have to pay. Some states are like, Oh, you know, we are a really nice state. You can wait till uh you know next year, the first day of the next year, then you pay us, right? So it really depends. Sorry, I used I said that, by I'm sort of like Canada. If Canada was a state, it'd be one of those that's super nice and says, Yeah, you, you can wait till next year to pay us. So we're like, so we're like, yeah, so we, we really want to teach them that too, right? We're like, okay, so for these states, you're okay because they're very loose with their regulations about how threshold is surpassed. You can wait on these and and for other things, we're like, oh, you're around, I would say, I don't know, 90,000 in sales to a state and their threshold is 100K. Well, how much more sales do you think you'll, you'll get in the last 15 days of the year? Is it worth it to you to still sell to the state or move your ad spend dollars elsewhere and avoid that sales tax for that state, right? Avoid having paid that state. And that that's, that's, is a huge amount of savings sometimes, right? So it could save you like tens of if dollars you, if you do something like that. So we try to educate them on that. And they'd be like, oh, I didn't even realize that. And they would have just blindly kept selling, right? And then maybe it's not worth it to them. Maybe it's better for them to allocate their dollars and concentrate in other states where they haven't crossed the threshold, and they could do equally as well as far as you know at their ending of revenue at, at, at for the year.
1: Interesting, and and I guess uh, thresholds. Um, I suppose, like you said, it's it's a state by state basis, but I think generally it's probably in, in the, like the, the six-figure, seven-figure range. Yes. So while I don't think it's like an immediate concern, it is, as you say, once it's large enough to have a clear influence on the economic um, health of that state, then I can understand why they would want to come in at that point.
0: Yes, I think, I think at the beginning, you just kind of want to have a general idea of where your concentration is as far as your sales, but you don't have to worry about it. Like you said, usually the only state you have to start off by paying sales tax is the state you're located in. Which is, which is which is another great point that we that we bring up to our clients, especially those who are single and don't have family obligations tying them down to a certain state. We tell them, hey, you're running an online business. No one really, you know, mind what state you're located in. No one's gonna be like, oh, because you're in the state of California, I'm gonna buy from this guy. Well, okay, sometimes they do, but most of the time, for the product you're selling, it doesn't matter, right? So we would actually highly encourage them to move to a more friendly sales tax and state income tax state, right? I think Nevada is a great one. Um, Oregon is another great one, right? Where if they can, they should relocate their business so then that their physical nexus doesn't get triggered, right? So for me, I have a family. I'm in California. Um, I'm forced to pay the high sales tax, high state income tax here, like I did for my business last year. I'm like ah, like crying, crying, crying a tear because of how high the rate is. But you know, I can't, I can't relocate a whole family. But for those who are who are able to, I, I highly encourage them to you know look for those little advantages that they can gain by finding lower tax rate state, or even no state income tax states, right? To so, to locate their business and and even when they have a fulfillment center, look for advantage like Texas with no state income tax right, to put it there. And, and that, that's a great saving right there right off the bat for being just being in a better state that has better tax rates for their business.
1: Andrew and uh, Mark Pierce, uh, it was Cloud Peak Law, I remember now, um, they were also uh, referencing uh, Wyoming as, as their state. It's very friendly towards LLCs to the point where even myself in Canada, I can set up an LLC there. And I there's a, there's a, there's a desk a physical desk associated with my business just there's the, sort of some physicality to it it's uh it's interesting I didn't think a, a Canadian would have um uh, have that means and also I guess too just like a, a small preference but I feel like I would if I owed them something I would prefer to have to pay up front uh, I just. Just that way, I'm more like, okay, if I do something like that, at least I know it's going to happen right away and I'd have to deal with it right away. Uh, here, in, here in Canada,
0: things are a little too passive aggressive. <laughs> I want to bring up a quick caveat of that. Okay, Joseph. Um, just just, just let you know, this, this is actually, a, I don't know if it is an advantage or not, but somewhat advantage for, I would say, international e-com sellers if they're trying to get an LLC in the States. And that, like you said, like, for example, for you in Canada, right? You can pick any state to incorporate, right? Like Wyoming, Delaware. Are two, a Nevada or three great states we can incorporate. But for us in the States, we kind of have to incorporate in the state of, right? So like, I think like, a lot of times people search for this and they, they, they get confused, like, okay, I'm in California. Can I also, can I just do Delaware? Because they have lower fees and stuff. But actually, if you're physically located in the state of California, they will make you also file in that state also. So that's a distinct advantage, actually, if you're a foreign seller you you get to pick you have to pick the lowest fee states to incorporate so it's great you know and that's something what we, we're going to uh, update our course on too because we, we get a lot of dms from international sellers asking hey how do i how do i get a stripe account right or how do i uh, open up a um, you know an llc how do i get a bank account in question like that so that's something we're going to add a little bit of education for the foreign sellers out there also in our course because they're they get very confused but i'm like yeah you guys actually have a great advantage cuz us actually allows you because you're not physically located in any of the 50 states you can pick a state that you want to incorporate and save on the filing fees and such like that, right? So like one, this is just, this is why too much information, but like California, man, is so expensive. Just for
1: Oh, having, I, know, I know for well yeah. Yeah, I, just for
0: having LLC. And I say I make zero revenue this year, like zero, right? you I still have to pay the minimum $800 in fran, what they call the franchise tax for, ha, for having the LLC in place. I make zero revenue, right? That, so it's not very friendly as far as like, I would say small business. But if you're, if you're physically located in California, you almost have no choice to do that. But if you're, if you're in a foreign owner or you just happen to live in those states, that's, that's, that you, you, have a, you just save $800 for, you know, for doing nothing, right? If you're in Wyoming, if you're in Delaware, in Texas, uh, Nevada, I'm sorry. So yeah, so it's a great advantage for foreign, foreign um, e-com owners in that regard. That's terrific. I didn't know that. That, uh, that's really interesting.
1: So, uh, so Alan, uh, like I said, I wanted to just give you um, the floor in case there's any other uh, central pillar to this that you want to let our audience know about. You have to forgive me for not being able to like figure it out for myself, but I just wanted to uh, open it up. Is there anything else that you really want to let our audience know before we start wrapping up?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Joseph, I would love if I can get like a couple minutes of time to share just a couple of like tax tips. I feel like I want to really give value to your audience and just share a couple of things that they should watch out for, right? In their right, business starting it. out. Cool. Okay. So, one thing is one. This is one of my favorites. From uh, if you seen our YouTube channel, we talk about it too. Is uh, the travel hack tip, right? So, if these guys, ecom owners, are already working really hard, they should be able to take some vacation, but they're always afraid that you know that pay out of pocket. But one great tip is you should try to plan your vacation in the middle of a business travel, right? So, say you're traveling just to go to a conference or an expo, right? And you know, day one, day two, day six, day seven is for business purposes. Day three, four, and five. Can be for a personal vacation. You know, if it's a Miami beach, you can go on the beach and enjoy yourself. And what happens is the IRS just only looks at the beginning and end of your trip, right? If the beginning of your trip and the ending of your trip is for business purpose, like you fly in, fly out, and you're talking to clients, you're at the expo, you know, doing a meeting, they will let you take you know the full trip as a as a travel deduction, right? So you get full you know flight airfare. Uh, if you have a rental car, if you have a hotel lodging, that that's all fair game as far as getting deductions for. That's, that's the first thing we want, we want business owners to emphasize on. Number two is um, don't skimp on thinking about the future. Uh, retirement planning is a big thing. And retirement planning is actually uh, something the IRS really, benefit, uh, really want to help small business with. So I, I don't know if you noticed, know Joseph, but like, you know, we have a 401k plan right, in the US where you can put money into retirement. But as a normal employee, I think the limit now is at 19500 I want to say, of a year where you can contribute to it and get the tax deduction for it. But as a, um, a, what they call a, well, a, a solo owner of a company, or if you have a spouse or a partner working for you, what you can do is you have a solo 401k plan at disposal. And solo 401k plan says, you get not only the employee portion, which is 19500 you also get the employer portion you can contribute, which adds another about $30,000. So in total, it's about $56,000 that you can contribute to a, a retirement plan, of course, for, for your use. And that's a $56,000 tax deduction you can take on your taxes this year, which is no small fry. So that's two things. And the third thing we'll emphasize is we have people who come to us who start out as dropshipping and are afraid to legitimize their business. Why? Add a cost, right? They think, oh, we got to add so much more cost. There's no way I can afford this, right? But actually with the whole pandemic going on, the US government really want to encourage people to start businesses. So there's actually tons of credits where they give away for in, employee retention, they give away what they call a uh, bonus depreciation section 179, which is uh, they reward you for buying equipment and machinery uh, for your business. And they'll give you a, uh, right now, 100% deduction of it, right? So if you think about it, if you buy like a $1 million, I don't know, plant or machinery for your business, you get the full $1 million as a tax deduction at your marginal tax rate. So it's great. Don't I, That's all we want to encourage them. Like, don't be afraid of going further. Don't, don't stop yourself. There's no millionaire tax, at least not yet. I was about to introduce it. Uh, right now that that's gonna hit you on on that, so don't be afraid of sometimes people uh, sometimes we get e commerce just want to stop at like eight hundred thousand dollar a year revenue for some reason because they're they're thinking the seven figures like they bring on a whole warmer problems right We're like, no, keep going. we're, we're there back to back you up we got you we got you, we got you like keep going, we're telling you you can do it, you you, you can expand your business so yeah just I mean just, there's a lot more to share, but I know we're running out of time so just, so just want to encourage them to you know take advantage and really encrypt themselves with the knowledge. As far as tax and bookkeeping and really just get a jump start on it. Right. Just and and the last thing I want to add is don't give away what you rightfully earn. Right. Don't give away what you rightfully earn. If if you earn that profit through your hard sweat and labor, right? Because you you stay up 3 a.m. every night making this business work. Don't at the end of the year then give it away to the government. It's it just it just it's just kind of like backward thinking, I would say. You know, just make sure you you can keep that money in your back pocket. Well, that, well, that's terrific.
1: Um, definitely, a lot of um, actionable takeaways right at the end there. And you—you you know, it's funny because usually, like, the wrap-up question is if you have any uh, last uh, bits of advice or parting wisdom or stuff like that. But you kind of did that more, um, anyways. It—it—it it, it, it all came together beautifully. So I'll—I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, aside from that, just uh, let our audience know how they can uh, check out your content and uh, and uh, have a look at your your, your web presence and uh, take those uh, crucial next steps.
0: Yeah, definitely um, you know there, there are interested e-commerce out there who are at a point where they do need accounting and you know uh, bookkeeping help. You know, we would love to go on a you know free consultation call with us. We really only take on clients that we think will be a good fit that we can help out on, right? So, if nothing else we're on the call We just to give you some free advice like just like this podcast so you can continue running your business and doing well in it and being more prepared. But if you uh, are interested, we our website's freecashflow.io backslash book, you can get right to the book, the booking page. Um, and then, you know, if you're just interested in, you know, if you're just starting out and just want some, you know, free advice, we also have a YouTube channel, which we casual agency that you can check out. And we're trying to put more and more content on there. We're, I'm setting a goal for two videos a week, Joseph, but hopefully you can keep me to it. But you no, know, sometimes people get lazy and don't do, don't do, do not keep a schedule.
1: Yeah. I know. Um, I know. It's yeah. Ten, yeah. Ten, ten and then times, furthermore,
0: yeah. I mentioned in the beginning that we have our course that we spent three months recording on. We try to jam pack it with, with useful uh, business advice and business tips for uh, for people out there to really get the jumpstart they needed to think about accounting and tax and not be afraid of it starting out and just have a great foundation. Right. So, you know, we, we really mainly only work with six figure guys, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to know that even before they hit that mark. Right. So it's called tax-free Ecom, um, hyperdrive your after-tax profit. And, uh, for, the five B- 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 F- and listeners, any listener to the podcast. We would love to give a, a promo code if that's okay. Joseph out there, so 20% sure, off. 20, don't be surprised if I use oh, it. Okay, 20% yeah. off code I'll, I'll provide to you after the call, of course. But uh, yeah, I just, I mean, for the course, we, we, we really don't price it too high. We really just want to spread this knowledge. Like we really want people to know what's going on in the world of accounting bookkeeping and just be a part of the business that they don't have to be afraid of anymore, you know, and that they're not going to be afraid to, neither outsource or just that if they do outsource, they know the right questions to ask, right? Because a lot of times they just hand it off and don't know what's going on when they get something bad. They're like, oh, cool, you did it. You know, they don't know the right terms to say, they don't know to, to the right deductions to ask for. And of course, introduce all that to you, you know? we Sometimes it's just knowing that term, knowing that phase, is just equally as important as deep diving into it, right? Then you can just be like, oh, did you look look for this credit for me, you know? And then they're like, did you look for R&D credit for me? It's like something like that, right? So it just, it just helps them get that understanding of, of accounting and tax at the basis level. So that, that's really what we want to do and put the audience out there.
1: Right. And, and, and I think it's only fair too that for the clients to do their due diligence in this regard because, you know, you are you are uh, exceedingly good at what you do, uh, but you're also exceedingly busy. And so to some degree, I think it is fair for us to make sure that we have as much understanding and uh, yeah, as much knowledge as we have too, so that we can also ease some of the burden on you so that you can do an even better job for us.
0: Uh, that that's a great point. I didn't even think of that, Joseph. But yes, that that would that would help. So, um, I mean, one 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 of the packages we offer is a, a con- con- consultation call where they can just pick our brain on anything they want. Uh, in the course. So if, if they, uh, we always encourage them to at least go watch the, like halfway through the course or do it before the way, then get on the call with us. And then they can really just ask us anything they want under, under the sun. Right. And then a lot of the time when they do that, they have more knowledgeable questions asked us and we're, and we're able to help them more and bring more value to the business. So, and they really can take these back and apply it. And when we, we see the results, and we're like, we're just happy to, that they're doing well.
1: Well, uh, happy to hear. And uh, doors always open, so anytime you want to come back, you know, give yourself a quarter or two and come back and let us know how things are going. Being more than happy to oh, appreciate I, it. Pick up the conversation where we left off. And to our audience, as always, your participation and your and your listening and your discretion um, means a great deal to me. And it's great to uh, and I, and I can't say it enough, but thank you for giving me the ability to uh, collect this information, absorb it, and then provide it to all of you as well. So with that, take care, and we'll check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoyed this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com. Or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.